hope that you still have your Bible open to the 131st Psalm. As I said, that's the text that we'll be looking at. It's a brief psalm, but that's the text that we'll be looking at uh, as we go this morning. One of the things that, that has been fascinating to me uh, that we've watched over the last couple of weeks uh, that we've seen unfold in front of us in the last few weeks is the idea of essential and non-essential businesses. I, I mean, they've been, they've been talking about it, and sometimes people get their feelings hurt if, they think, if they're told that their business is not essential, and sometimes folks want their business to not be essential so they don't have to, uh, so that they can do their work from home or, or whatever. But we've had these lists and, and different things that, that government officials have put out about what businesses are essential and which ones aren't essential. And I think there's been some surprise on some of those lists, the things that we've seen, you know, some of the things that we've seen that are listed as essential. We might think, hmm, wonder, wonder why that's on the list. But there are some things on those lists that have not been a surprise at all. Uh, of course, we're not surprised when uh, our doctors and nurses and our law enforcement are, are listed as essential. We're not surprised when our pharmacies are listed as essential. We're not surprised when our grocery stores and, and those kinds of places are listed as essential. We're certainly not surprised when our beloved law enforcement is listed as essential. We're, we're not surprised when our military is listed as essential and our firefighters and our EMS. We talked to my, my daughter who's in the Navy the other day and I, I just asked her, I said, so uh, what, what are, how's this affecting you? And she said, well, I'm just going to work like I usually do because our military, of course, is essential. We know that all of those people, all of those workers, all of those folks, Jobs are essential. We, we know that. We know that they're essential because we know that our country, that our communities, that even we as individuals, we know that we can't do without them for very long. There's no surprise that they are, that they're essential. We know that they're essential because their mission is essential. But what about the church? Is the church essential? What, what about our church? What about Parkview Baptist Church? Is our church essential? Well, I think just by the, the virtue of, of you going through all the steps to watch online, I think that you would probably agree with me that our church is essential, that church is an essential part of life. But even though we would say right off the top of our heads, we'd automatically say, well, of course the church is essential. That brings up the next question. Which is why? Why is the church essential? Yeah, we can we can automatically say that the church is essential, but why are we essential? Are we essential because we get together and we have a good time together? Are, are we essential because we're a good social environment, a good social network? Are we essential because we support and care for uh, care for our members, care for each other? Are, are we essential because we do good works in the community and because we, uh, we, we, we support our community in all the different ways that we do? Is that what makes us essential? Now, those are important things. Those are great things. But none of those things are what make us as a church essential. What makes us essential as a church is our mission. Just like all of those other essential jobs, essential 
groups, essential businesses, they're essential because of their mission. We as a church, we are essential because of our mission. You remember what our mission is, right? I hope you haven't forgotten that in just the few weeks that we haven't been able to gather together. Our mission is that we are new lives, bringing new life to our neighbors and the nations. That that mission hasn't changed one bit. And it's that mission, no matter what's going on in the world around us, no matter what circumstances we're going through, it's that mission which makes us essential. You, You think about all the things that are going on around us. The government is handing out... Checks left and right. Businesses and banks, they're, they're giving out loans and they're deferring payments and they're stopping cutoff notices. Schools and local and state agencies, they're, they're giving out food to people. They're helping feed people. Charitable organizations, they're handing out clothes and food and necessities. And we're thankful for all of those. But we, as the church... We are the only ones who are specifically and solemnly charged with giving people something those groups can't give. We're the only ones who are specifically charged by Jesus Christ himself with giving hope. We're the only ones that can give hope in Christ. And just like a firefighter can't neglect his mission because of the COVID-19 virus, we as a church, we can't neglect our mission either. So <laughs> that brings up the question as we're, you know, gathered and or not gathered, as we're separated from each other and we're, we're uh, sheltering in place and doing all those kinds of things, how in the world can we accomplish our mission in the midst of this kind of environment, in the midst of self-quarantining and social distancing and all of those kinds of things. Well, we obviously can't accomplish our mission by having big rallies and having big evangelistic attractional events or any of those kinds of things. So what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to do the same things that we're always supposed to do. <laughs> we're supposed to point people to the hope of Jesus Christ by the way that we live our lives in whatever circumstances are going on. This short psalm that we're looking at this morning, this 131st psalm, was written by King David. And it was we, we don't know exactly when King David wrote it, but I think it's safe to assume that he wrote it in the time, in the early point of his kingdom, before he really made a train wreck of things with Bathsheba and made a train wreck of his family and a train wreck of his kingdom. We... we I think it's safe to assume that he wrote this psalm before all of that happened. When when David wrote this psalm, he was still focused on his main mission. And, And his main mission wasn't to be the king. His main mission wasn't to lead Israel. His main mission wasn't to do all of the things that it took to run the city. No, David's main mission, his main purpose in life was the exact same thing as our main mission is. His main mission was to point people to the hope of the Lord. And in his Holy Spirit given wisdom, he shows us how we can do that, especially in times like these. The first way you can point people to the hope of Jesus in times like these is to display humility. Look, look back at verse 1. Verse 1, he says, O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and marvelous for me. 
Now remember who was saying this. This was David. This was King David. He was the God-appointed king of Israel. He had power. He had stature. He had money. He had everything that you could possibly think of. But with all of that, he still publicly declared his humility. He wasn't, he wasn't going to give in to the sin of pride. He, he wasn't going to give in to the sin of presumption. <laughs> he was going to stay in his lane. In other words, he remembered his limitations. Even as king of Israel, he had limitations. And he was going to remember those limitations. He was going to remember that he was but dust. He was going to remember that God is the one that has all this figured out. He didn't. You know what concerns me more about this global pandemic than anything? Um, you know, of course, I'm concerned about people getting sick and, and dying. Of course, I'm concerned about that. Of course, I'm concerned about if this thing breaks out in our area, how it will affect our hospitals and our medical infrastructure and how that could crumble under the weight of all this. Yes, I'm concerned about that. Yes, I'm definitely concerned about our economy and about our national debt and about companies and local businesses. I'm concerned about people losing their jobs. I'm concerned about all of those things. But what concerns me most is where people are turning and where people are looking for hope in the middle of this. See, government and medicine and business and finance, they're all out there boldly proclaiming that we've got the answer of how to beat this thing. They're, they're laying out the message that, that says that solely because of our actions, solely because of the determination of our own strength and our own will, that we can overcome this and we can beat this. I appreciate I appreciate the the the, the rally cry. But isn't that awful arrogant? Isn't that awful bold? Yes, we, we need to be smart. Yes, we need to be cautious. Yes, we need to listen to the experts, but our hope is not in them. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and in Him alone because He is the Master of all creation. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17 tells us that. It says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities or COVID-19. All things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. See, because our hope is in Christ alone, you don't have to act like you've got this whole thing figured out. You need to understand your limitations. You need to understand the limitations of our political leaders. You need to understand the limitations of our medical experts. You need to understand the limits of all of these people who are desperately trying to help, and we're thankful that they are, but understand their limits. Quit placing your hope and trust in them. Place your hope in the only one who has this whole thing in the palm of his hands. Place your hope in Jesus Christ alone because he has no limits. 
Lift your heart to the Lord. Raise your eyes to see Jesus. And when you do, your humility will display the hope of Jesus to this this desperate world that we're in right now. The second way you can point people to the hope of Jesus in times like these is to display calmness. Look at verse 2. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Notice how David puts it here. He, He puts this... As, as, a, um, as an act of his will, he says that I have calmed my soul. I have quieted my soul. Do you see his determination? Do you feel his determination there? See, he's not talking about all the things that he's doing in his power to conquer his enemies or to secure the economy or to preserve the kingdom. Yes, he's doing all of those things. He's working toward those ends, but that's not where his trust and his hope is. No, his his hope and his trust is in the Lord and in Him alone. There's only one thing that he's claiming control over, and that's his emotions. He's claiming control over his emotions here. Let me ask you, how are your emotions holding up through all of this? Listen, I've got to be honest with you. I'm always honest with you. I've got to be frank with you here. There are times through this thing when my emotions have been a wreck. I appreciate Will sharing with, sharing with us uh, what his emotions have been going through. And my emotions at times have been going through uh, like a roller coaster through this. But do you know when those times that my emotions have been a wreck Do you know when those times have been? Those times have been when I have forgotten about my humility. When I've failed in my humility. Those times that my emotions have been a wreck is when I've started to think, when I've gotten all tied up in knots, starting to think, you know, I got to do everything I can in my power to hold this church together. I'm I'm not doing enough. We're not doing enough to help our schools. We're not doing enough to help our town. I, I'm not doing enough to help my fellow pastors and, and we're not doing enough to help our sister churches and we're not doing enough and I'm not doing enough and I'm not working hard enough and I need to do more and I need to give more. I need to help more. If I don't, then all this is just going to fall apart. Do you see the pride there? you see the arrogance there? Like I'm the one that's holding these things together in the first place. <laughs> Remember what verse that we just read in Colossians chapter 1? Verse 17 says that all things are held together in Jesus. Not in Jim. Not in you. Not in our government. Not in our medical folks. So just calm down. Just calm down. David said he calmed, he quieted his soul. You need to do the same thing. You've already acknowledged that you're not in control of these things, so stop worrying and stop stressing like you are in control. You see David's description here in verse 2? 
His description is is fascinating to me. It's easy to pass over just just when you're reading it it quickly, but but I want you to focus on it for for just a minute. I would have thought that he would have said that he's calm and he's quiet like a nursing baby is. You watch a, a baby who's nursing and you see that 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 calm that peaceful look on their face as they're nursing but he didn't describe this as a baby who's nursing did he he described it as a baby who's quieting his own soul like a weaned child has to do think about a weaned child a weaned child has to take control of his own emotions and quiet himself to a certain extent. He, he has to do that because he doesn't have the immediate, intimate, present security that comes from being at his mother's breast. In other words, his calm quietness isn't being provided by external circumstances. No, that weaned child has to will himself to understand that his mother is still there even if he can't feel her right now. A weaned child has to will himself to understand that his mother is going to provide for his needs even though he can't feel that right now. Even though it's going to be different than he was expecting. He has to will himself to understand that his mother still loves him even though it's painful and difficult right now. And he has to will himself to understand that his mother is doing all of this for his good. That he would grow up into the child, into the person, into the adult that he's supposed to be. He has to will himself to understand that. You know, calmness and quietness is more of an act of the will than it is an act of the emotions. And it's an act of the soul. And the Bible indicates that the soul is the union of the spirit and the body. And so that means that if, if quietness and calmness is an act of the soul, that means that you need to do things to help yourself calm down. Yes, you need to pray about it. Of course we need to pray about it. There was a man named S.D. Gordon. I love this quote. He, he said this one time. He said, you can do more than pray after you pray, but you cannot do more than pray until you've prayed. So yes, pray. Pray that the Lord would give you calm. Pray that the Lord would calm your spirit and quiet your soul during this time. But don't stop there. After you pray or even while you're praying, get up. Get up, get out, do something, get some fresh air, get some exercise. Now be smart about it. Do the social distancing, do all of that kind of stuff. If you want to get the fancy face mask or whatever, you do that. Just be smart about it. But the point is, is get up and do something. Stay off the TV, stay off the internet. You don't have to keep up with every single item that comes across your newsfeed. Those things just... They do more to feed worry and anxiety than anything else. So stay off that as much as possible. Read. Read something good. Garden. I'm not going to garden, but you can garden. Make something. If you're crafty, if you're artsy, what? do something. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Get on, get on FaceTime. Read your Bible with somebody else. Call a friend. 
Check on your neighbors. Find a way to serve somebody. Now, it's going to look different in this environment, but find some way to serve someone. Instead of hoarding stuff, share stuff. (laughs) And through all of that, through all of that, you can rest in your dependence on your caring and loving Lord. Through all of that. A, A weaned toddler isn't independent. Now, a weaned toddler is still completely and totally dependent on his mama, but he has to intentionally work to calm and quiet himself in the midst of that weaning process. So be intentional about it. Calm down. Quiet your soul. And when you do, your quietness and your calmness will display the hope of Jesus to a world that desperately needs that hope. When your humility is on display, when your calmness is on display, then then you can display confidence in pointing people to Jesus no matter what the circumstances are. So that's what David did in verse 3. Verse 3, he says, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So after displaying humility in a watching world, after displaying calmness in front of a, a tumultuous and a watching world, now David, after displaying those two things, now David can display confidence in commanding the watching world to hope in the Lord. Did, did you see that that's what he's doing? He, he's not asking a favor. He's not making a suggestion. No, he's, he's commanding the world. He's commanding the watching world. He's commanding the world that's in turmoil and that's in chaos. He's commanding them to have hope in the Lord. He's not laying out a last resort. Okay, we'll look to the Lord if all this other stuff fails. No, he's commanding right up front. He's saying, have hope in the Lord. He's giving a command. He's saying, everybody who's watching me, everybody who's watching my life, I'm telling you, have hope in the Lord. Can you say that? I mean, not just in the good times. Can you say that in difficult times like we're going through right now? Hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. You know, somebody told me in one of those, I don't know, like a thousand different Zoom conference calls that I was in uh, this week. Somebody told me that the most searched question, I don't know if it was on Google or if it was Siri or Alexa or whatever, but the most searched question this past week that people were asking is, how can I find good news? That's why our mission is critical. That's why your mission is essential. As a believer, your mission hasn't gone into quarantine. You might be hibernating in your house and your PJs, but your mission is not hibernating. We're not on quarantine. We're not hibernating. Even though you might be completely overwhelmed by all of the extra things. That some folks are, are overwhelmed by, by losing their mind in boredom. Some folks are losing their mind from all the overwork that's going on. Maybe you're, maybe you're in that end of the spectrum. You're just completely overwhelmed by homeschooling or these Zoom conferences or trying to protect yourself in one of those mission-critical jobs. Maybe you're completely overwhelmed in that. But even with that, your main mission is still critical. 
First Peter chapter three, verse 15 says in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that's within you. <laughs> Listen, now more than ever, people need the hope of Jesus. And now more than ever, when they see that hope in you, when they see that you're not falling apart, they're going to ask you about it. <laughs> they, they might not ask you directly about Jesus, but here's, here's how they're going to ask you. Why aren't you as freaked out about this thing as I am? Why, why aren't you filling up your social media with all of this crazy talk like everybody else is? How are, you, how are you able to stay calm and how are you able not to lose your mind when somebody cuts off your cart at the grocery store and takes that last roll of toilet paper? How, how are you able to keep calm in the middle of that? How are you able to stay calm when the governor comes out and says that we're going to be in this same situation until the 10th of June? How are you able to keep calm in the middle of that? How are you able to stay quiet when, you, when, like everybody else, you're going on the unemployment website and you click that button a thousand times or you make the phone call and nobody answers the phone? How are you able to stay quiet and calm even in the middle of that? How are you able to do that? <laughs> when they ask you that question, then's when you give them the answer. Say, because my hope's not in any of that. My hope is in Jesus Christ. Do you want to meet him? See how that works? Do you have that kind of hope today? Do you have that kind of hope in the Lord that you're able to say that? Listen to me, you're, you're not going to find that kind of hope. You're not going to find the kind of hope that you need from the government or from government programs or from checks or from loans or from promises. You're not going to find the kind of hope that you need in hand sanitizer or a mask or even in a vaccine. You're not going to find the kind of hope that you need because in those things because the hope that you need can only be found in Jesus, in Him alone. So do you have that kind of hope today? You have the kind of hope that you need. Well, you can. You can have that hope right now. Even while you're, while you're seated or wherever you're watching this, you can have that kind of hope right now because all you have to do is, is just call on Jesus to save you. Call on Jesus to save you right in the middle of this. And when you call on Jesus, Jesus to save you, what that means is you're renouncing anything and everything that you've tried to claim hope in. And you're telling him that you're hoping in him and in him alone. You're turning from your sins and you're turning to Jesus in faith. That he that he's the only righteous son of God, that he's the only one who is worthy to die as a payment for your sins and mine. He's the only righteous son of God who shed his blood on the cross for you. And he rose again and he lives today to fill you with his spirit and to fill you with hope and to change you and to give you new life in him. And because of who Jesus is and because of what he did on the cross for you, now you can live in hope. Like the song that we sing, right? Because he lives, you can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because you know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Life's worth the living just because he lives no matter what you're going through right now. 
No matter what we as a society are going through right now. No matter what, what's happening. Life is worth the living just because He lives. So right now, right now I'm telling you to hope in the Lord Jesus Christ from this time forth and forevermore. Will you do that?